0: Good morning, if that song doesn't get you ready for Christmas, I don't, I don't know what will. You know, um, happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody, and um, today we get to turn our focus from Thanksgiving, which is one of my favorite holidays, to Christmas, and we know it's okay to do that because Tyson's actually playing Christmas songs. Once Thanksgiving's over, we're free to turn our focus towards, towards Christmas, and so we get to do that today. And uh, I get the privilege of of introducing our Christmas series uh, this morning. Um, And we're going to focus on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And um, this morning, I need to catch my breath. I was all amped up from that song. Um, We're going to be focusing between, uh, toggling between Isaiah 9 and John 1. And we'll get into that in a minute. But before we focus on turn to Christmas, I don't want to rush out of Thanksgiving too much. And I think it's okay because... It's Thanksgiving weekend still officially. Last week, we um, I'd like to just tell you just an experience and a story from uh, last week. We were invited to be a part of Denver Rescue Mission's Thanksgiving Banquet in a Box event. And we've been talking about that for a few weeks here at Stapleton Fellowship, and and we got to go and experience that and be a part of it. The event is uh, we had a team of us that went down to help, and the event is... um, Focused, the purpose of the event is to hand out Thanksgiving food boxes to families in the community who are in need of help uh, during this time of year. And it was incredible. They uh, they distributed 1,870 some Thanksgiving food boxes, which is incredible. Each of those boxes contained a turkey, bagged potatoes. They'll feed eight people. So just I didn't do the math on that, but a lot of people were were blessed and be able to put Thanksgiving dinner on the table because of that they distribute these meals in a four-hour time span so there's a there's just it's a it's a well-oiled machine and it's a drive-through system people are rolling up they get their meals loaded in their car and they they drive off so i we're standing there in our hospitality tent which we were able to do uh, for that event and uh, just saw literally probably a, a thousand fifteen hundred cars come through stop and stop get their meal and zip through and it just kind of became this This just kind of rhythmic, awesome thing. People going by, tooting, smiling from ear to ear. Got their Thanksgiving meal in their box. But there was one lady that pulled. She stopped, just like every other car, stopped at uh, the station, got the food box put in her car, and pulls away just like everybody else, and all of a sudden, er, comes to like an abrupt stop. Right in front of where I was standing, I was talking to one of my friends from the rescue mission, and I bent down to see if she needed something, like you know, a bottle of water or hot cocoa. Or we were in the rhythm of handing uh, handing out food and snacks and stuff like that. And I bent down to look, and I just see her. <laughs> um, pray for me, cause I might cry a couple times today. Um, he, uh, she just buried buried her face in her hand and started to weep. And she had her granddaughter next to her. And we knew what we were doing that day in in distributing these um, food boxes. Uh, But it all came pretty real in that moment of like really, really how that was impacting people's lives. It galvanized the whole Thanksgiving holiday uh, for me. When we were standing around with with my uh, lovely in-laws, my family uh, that God has has blessed me with in this last uh, year, marrying my lovely wife. Uh, we all stood around in a circle, held hands and gave thanks just just we voiced what we what we were thankful for um, this time of year and without a doubt, everybody was thankful for uh, just being able to get together with family and loved ones and just to to celebrate together over a meal that 's the centerpiece of the thanksgiving holiday that 's to me that 's what it 's all about and while we 're going through that just made it made me even more thankful thinking of just that lady who uh, probably a grandma of her family uh, worried stressed about being able to provide that meal for her family and then finally she had the had that that food box in her possession and just the wave of emotion that washed over here um, it was it was a pretty pretty neat insight to be able to to see on that so I think that thanksgiving's a pretty pretty easy uh, straightforward you focus on uh sharing a meal with with your with your family there's not a whole lot of fanfare around it other than that maybe maybe watching some football doing a turkey trot or something like that um but but uh but Christmas you know um christmas our focus is on something so much more important and it's so much easier to lose focus on that you know Christmas is of course, the, we're celebrating the coming and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the centerpiece of Christmas. And so we're going to take the next few weeks and just try to just keep our focus on Jesus. He's the centerpiece not only of this holiday, but he's the centerpiece of everything. He's the source of life. Um, he's the center of, of scripture. Uh, the verse we're going to look at today, um, Isaiah 9, 6, let me just read that for us. <clears throat> for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was written 700, over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, this is a foretelling; it's a prophecy, which means to speak forth, to pro- proclaim, and to announce. And so, the author of this, Isaiah, was announcing the birth, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, prophecy is something that um, Isaiah used; in the majority of the book of Isaiah is, is prophetic, um, and it's used in, in in a way by God. Uh, it's very important. We have we have a God, and it's it's a wonderful thing that really wants us to know who He is. He goes through great lengths that we won't miss it when He comes. In um, the Old Testament, the coming of just one event, the birth of Jesus, is prophesied over three hundred times, so that when we so that when we saw see. Uh, him come and that he's born um that we wouldn't miss it and so that's an incredible incredible thing god uses men throughout history to deliver uh the prophetic uh messages uh, of of the messiah and uh and other things throughout scripture um isaiah is no exception he's actually uh one of the major prophets of the old testament and um he, had a, uh, he wrote the second longest book in the Bible. Isaiah is the second longest book in the entire Bible next to Psalms. And um, we don't know a lot about the details of Isaiah's life. He was the author. He penned that book. Um, and chose not to really give us a lot of detail about himself. He did tell us some things, and I think it, it shines through and gives us a character of, of what, he, what was of the utmost importance to him. So Isaiah was. Um, his ministry lasted about 60 years, um, between about the years of 740 uh, BC and, and, seven, si- and 680, uh, 680 some, some time in there. During his his, uh, his ministry as a prophet, he um, he had he had influence uh, under and over I guess uh, four different kings throughout that time span. Um, so we know that Isaiah, just by deduction, uh, was probably born into a family of, of some influence because he had access to the kings. And it was important that he would have access to the kings because the job of a prophet was to herald God's word. And, and God used Isaiah to herald his, his word. Um, a lot of times uh, a prophet um, doesn't have the most, uh, I guess, popular things to say. Uh, a lot of times, uh, <clears throat> so <laughs> Isaiah came to deliver the good news that Jesus is coming, uh, but he also gave the reason why we needed Jesus to come. So there was some, some judgment and some rebuke that came along with, with some of his messages in that second longest book in the Bible. He had, a, he had a lot of things to say, and he was true to God's word. He was a faithful prophet, uh, like I said, over 60 years and uh, stayed so true to, to the word of God that, as a matter of fact, he paid at the end of uh, at the end of his ministry with his life. He was uh, known to be sawn in two. Um, so he 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 stuck to God's word and didn't waver from that. And he didn't talk a lot about himself. What he was most concerned about was God's word. And so we get a chance to take a look at Isaiah nine. 6, something out of his word and something that he was so concerned with was being true to God's word that he paid um, with his life for that. And so we're going to take a look as uh, we go in the next next um, five gatherings here between now and Christmas Eve. We're going to take a look and focus each week on one of the words, one of the names that, G- that uh, Isaiah calls Jesus. So you look in the verse, it says, And he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so there's five names for Jesus, and we've got five more gatherings, and it works out perfectly. So we want to take some time as we're focusing. Now, the whole point of this, this whole season, is Jesus. And we just want to try to keep our focus on him. And some of the different names that he is called by, I think, will help and keep us focused on that. So your first point today, the word is wonderful. The word today that we're going to focus on is wonderful, um, and I also put that in quotes. You'll notice because that's another name that um, that Jesus is called by. Jesus is also called by called uh, by the the word. That's his that's his name. If you look at John chapter one, verse one, the apostle John introduces uh, his whole book, which is all about Jesus introduces Jesus and calls him the Word. Um, so in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God's Word, well, he calls himself the Word, right? He is the Word. And, and he was, Jesus was there in the beginning, that's what it says, um, and, and was there during creation. And what did, how did God bring all this to life, right? The whole universe, the world. He, he spoke it into existence so he he's the words very important to him and so jesus the word is wonderful so i want to take a look at the word wonderful one of the one of the words that isaiah used chose to call jesus and he was i'm sure very deliberate in 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 the words that he chose uh to to communicate and so we want to take a look at look at this word wonderful so I start and I look at the English definition of the word wonderful. I figure that's a pretty good place to start. The English definition of the word wonderful is inspiring delight, pleasure, or admiration. Extremely good. Marvelous. I think that's a pretty good description of Jesus, the one who came to save us from our sin. Um, but I wanted to look, because Isaiah wrote this in, uh, this is original text is in Hebrew. So I want to take a look at that, how he wrote it, what he intended for this to mean in his original language. And I think it just adds to what the English version of this word means. The Hebrew means a miracle, something unusual. Literally in this passage, in this context, it means incomprehensible, incomprehensible, You'll notice that in, like, the New Living Translation, uh, I believe the NIV, there's a few tra- English translations of the Bible right there that kind of bring "Wonderful Counselor" together as, as one name, and, and that will work. That, I mean, that absolutely works if you look that, at that in, in the English. When I look at the at the Hebrew word and how that's intended in, in in that particular context, it means in, incomprehensible, and I. Don't, I I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily am not seeking out a counselor that's incomprehensible. I want to be able to, <laughs> I want to be able to g- grasp what they're all about. And so, like you said, it, it will work depending on on your translation either way. But I kind of just we took it standalone here because it it is it will stand on its own, given that original text. And so you know I, I mentioned that, um, that that God used prophecy. Uh, so that we could, we could know who he is. Uh, he's very concerned with us knowing who he is. And we see from this, uh, from this verse, from Isaiah nine, six to John one, one, that it came, this is a prophecy that one of 300 over 300 that have come true. And so we know that Jesus as the Messiah is proven by prophecy. And that's your second, uh, sermon point, um, So we'll take a look right there at John. Just go down in John a little bit further, John 1, uh, 14. Uh, We see that it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So we see that in the first half of this verse. A child is born to us and a son is given to us. So this is the one he was talking about. Now, this actually, um, you know, that that the Messiah is proven through prophecy, wants us to know who he is. It works. Prophecy and and connecting the the prophecy in the Old Testament and and the actual prophecy becoming history in in, in the New Testament when Jesus is actually born. This is the guy they've been talking about. It works. I was reading um, through uh, The Case for Christ and uh, it's a great it's a great book. This is actually just one of the chapters out of it. And uh, the, the the premise of this book and, and the author of it, Lee Strobel, uh, set out to prove or disprove Jesus Christ, if he was the Christ, if he was the Messiah, or not. And uh, Lee's background, first of all, when he set out to write this, he was he was an atheist, but he was was really tried to write it in a non-biased way. Um, he's not anymore. Uh, so. He was an, he was uh, went to the Harvard, i not Harvard, Yale uh, School of Law, and uh, became the investigative criminal investigative editor for the Chicago Tribune. So he um, he conducted investigations, criminal investigations, and, and, and knew how to put a proper investigation together. So he approached proving or disproving Jesus as the Christ in that same manner. Included in that comes uh, along with a lot of research, interviews, and so I wanted to share with you one of the um, interviews that he had, and uh, during his investigation uh, as proving or disproving the Christ, he sat down with a guy, actually a pastor of a church, uh, who whose name is Lewis, um, grew up as a Jewish uh, boy in New Jersey, and uh, this guy Lewis. Grew up um, as, a, as a traditional Jewish uh, young, young boy and uh, attended a, a, um, a conservative Jewish synagogue so that he could become bar mitzvah. and that process is learning the Old Testament scriptures. So Lee Strobel's uh, whole point of this book was to see, is, is Jesus real or not? So he asks him, um, so what did you learn about Jesus uh, when you were growing up in, in your traditional um, you know, Jewish background, and, and the guy said, "I learned really nothing about Jesus. He didn't come up um, in my study. The only thing that I knew about Jesus was walking uh, down the streets in my neighborhood and looking into the Catholic church and seeing the pictures of the, of the Christ Jesus hanging on the cross, pierced, bloodied, crown of thorns on his head." And he um, said, "As a matter of fact, any thoughts that I had about Jesus were derogatory. Why would somebody worship?" a man hanging on a cross like that that's been bloodied and, and beaten. That was actually a, cursed, uh, a, a, a sign of a cursed person in, in, the, in the Jewish culture and history. So he, he had derogatory. As a matter of fact, uh, he wouldn't even approach or open up the New Testament because he had heard that it was extremely anti-Semitic and that uh, the, the Nazis used it as uh, part of their manifesto uh, in, in what they, the horrific things that they did. So fast forward, this guy becomes a young man into his career and um, um, moves to California. And out of, out of curiosity one day goes and has a, an encounter with a street evangelist, a, street, a Christian street evangelist. And they get into a back-and-forth debate about, about God. And, uh, and long story short, uh, the street evangelist says, you know, just do this, go read the old Testament, pray to the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Moses, that he will show you Jesus through reading the old Testament scripts. So he took him up on that challenge. And, um, let me just kind of share what happened from there. Pretty soon Lewis told me, I was reading the old Testament every day and seeing one prophecy after another. For instance, Deuteronomy talked about a prophet greater than Moses who will come and whom we should listen to. I thought, who could be greater than Moses? It sounded like the Messiah, someone as great and as respected as Moses, but a greater teacher and a greater authority. I grabbed a hold of that and went searching for him. As Lewis progressed through the scriptures, he was stopped cold by Isaiah 53. With clarity and specificity, a haunting prediction wrapped in exquisite poetry, here was the picture of a Messiah who would suffer and die for the sins of Israel and the world. All written more than 700 years before he before Jesus walked the earth. Let me read a little bit of Isaiah 53 for you. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one who met Like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Instantly, Lewis recognized the portrait. This was Jesus of Nazareth. Now he was beginning to understand the paintings he had seen in the Catholic churches he had passed as a child. The suffering Jesus, the crucified Jesus, the Jesus who he now realized had been pierced for our transgressions as he bore the sin of many. As Jews in the Old Testament sought to atone for their sins through a system of animal sacrifices, here was Jesus, the ultimate sacrificial lamb of God who paid for the sin once and for all. Here was the personification of God's plan of redemption. So breathtaking was this discovery that Lewis could only come to one conclusion it was a fraud. <laughs> he believed that Christians had rewritten the Old Testament and twisted Isaiah's words to make it sound as if the prophet had been foreshadowing Jesus. So Lewis set out to expose the deception. He reached out to his stepmother and said, send me a Jewish Bible so I could check this out for myself. So she did, and guess what? He found that it said the same thing. So now he really had to deal with it. He dealt with it, got a couple of theological degrees, and is now pastoring a church, and he's made it his life's, mission goal right focus to share the good news of jesus christ with the world so prophecy prophecy works and that's one of the main reasons why god gave us that gift everything in scripture points to jesus that should be the centerpiece of of our life and our focus centerpiece of this season and there's a reason that he was sent so we take a look at uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we'll see, we'll see why, I, why Isaiah is building up to announcing this guy, Jesus. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, Will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And take a look with me also at John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So he's the Lord of light. Jesus is the Lord of light. That's your last um, point on the sermon notes. And that's why he had to come into this world, to bring light into the darkness. You know, um, Martin Luther King is a great man. And, uh, and, and I just want to say I've seen a lot of different quotes from him uh, on the Internet, and it's an encouragement. It's wonderful. And there's a common theme there. Most of his wisdom and uh, everything that he comes is, ext- is ex- it, he, this guy was a man of God. He was a reverend. And the, the, his motivating factor, the center of his life was Jesus. And uh, really, if you see uh, quotes from him, look for look for the scripture that it's probably tied to because he, he was very inspired by God's word. So one of his quotes I've seen lately, which is, I think, fantastic and absolutely applicable here is darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that, which I think is just extremely profound, and, and we see that this is this is in scripture. Um, I found this cool picture too. It was like all in the same Facebook feed, I think. But um, notice that um, the flame doesn't, the light doesn't cast a shadow, which I think is a really neat thing. The only thing we see the, the we see the fingers in, in the in the object kind of. Blocking the light and casting a shadow, and uh, it's just kind of to me, just um, it's just kind of a profound picture because it's like what the only thing that can really um, uh, cast shadow, bring darkness in, is, is some, if we're kind of holding on to something, right? Um, so let me share uh, a, a story of how um, this um, light. Coming into darkness um, became uh, a, a reality in front of in front of my uh, very own eyes and in the eyes of my family. This is you know this is a, one of my favorite times of year, the Christmas season. It's all about getting together and, and, and family, and, and Christmas is all about Jesus. And um, it was one of my dad's favorite holidays. He passed away in December of 2006 of pancreatic cancer. And, um, you know, when we, he was diagnosed, uh, with cancer, uh, in early November, 48 days later, he passed away. Um, one of some of the darkest, my dad was my hero. He was an amazing guy, amazing dad. Um, and, uh, so when I received the phone call, uh, from my mom, um, I was here there in Chicago and she said, uh. Your father has cancer all over his body, and uh, you know you should you should probably come home. So I did. Um, left work, got a plane ticket, went home. My dad tried a, a round of chemotherapy um, and, and decided not to go that route. It was pretty far gone by the time he was diagnosed. And uh, if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, it's pretty pretty painful. And and the chemo made it a lot worse. Um, So I got to go. I got home and and I got to be to go visit with my dad in the hospital and help him gather his things up because he had made a decision to go and just go home and be with his loved ones in his last days. So I got to go pick him up. He's putting his shoes on, um, gathering his things together, and I'm kind of in there helping him. And he goes, I don't know where I'm going. And get Grant, he's just started his pain uh, management series. So I'm like, Dad, um, you yeah, know, we're, we're just going home. You know, I'm going to take you home and just uh, getting your things together for that. He said, no, no, you don't understand. He said, I know I'm dying, and I don't know where I'm going after I die. And so um, I was pretty pretty new Christian at the time, and um, but I did know point him to Jesus, and so I said, "Dad, don't don't you believe in, in what Jesus uh, Jesus did, in dying on the cross for our sins?" And he he said um, he said, "I do, but I've been uh, I've done too many things that are unforgivable," and I pushed back and I said, "You know, I don't think there's anything." Um, anything that you could do that that would um, that'd be bigger than than that than what Jesus did for us and so i just like let me just make this point there is nothing nothing in this world that is bigger than what Jesus did on the cross there's no sin that you have committed that's bigger than that so so you got to let that go and just let the light shine um so from that point forward, I understand my dad, um, uh, between the time he was diagnosed and the time that he, he passed away, um, he had 200 people come visit him at our house, which is pretty amazing. It speaks to how, how good of a guy he was, I think, and, and how he cared for people. Um, not many of them were Christians, but there were a few that poured out and shared uh, their faith with him. And uh, probably nobody more so than, than my mom um, every day. You know, he had a, a short attention span because of the pain medication and because of the pain he was experiencing. Uh, but he did want to know who this. He did want to know God. And so he wanted, he, he, he asked questions. And my mom took time every day to read out of this devotional. It's a sh- the short divorce, devotional book. Um, each day it's a um, a verse and then then a little bit that says you guys can come up if you want Um, uh, that says on December 12th or I'm sorry December 15th 2006 at 9 o'clock p.m. my mom read this devotional to him Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing I'll read the verse for you though and uh, he stepped out of darkness and into light and it's called uh, the the title of it is he has shown you Micah 6 8 who is actually one of Isaiah's contemporaries um, had a prophetic ministry around the same time he has shown you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God I don't know how he got the gospel out of that but he did um, I'll tell you honestly from that, from, from the day that he was diagnosed and going through this he was fighting he was a tormented uh, person when he was when he would be sleeping he'd be like he had no energy but all of a sudden he'd be boxing and swinging at the air and after this day he didn't do that anymore he had a peace um, that was incomprehensible, right? it was wonderful, that washed over him.